Welcome back to Let's Talk Value podcast series in 2024. Can't believe we're already close to 50 episodes. So it's my distinct pleasure today to welcome Dr. Robert Mateis. Hi, Rob. Hi there. Good to be here. And thank you for having me. My name is Verena Volter. I'm the CEO and founder of a small consulting firm called 5P Healthcare Solutions and the author of the parent book, I should say, It Takes Five to Tango. And I'm really excited to talk with Rob today because I know many of those five Ps are very close to your heart. Mainly, I think we'll talk a lot about patient, patient focus, but also obviously the parent provider. I always say, you know, no, no doctor patient relationship, no healthcare. So the doctors are important, but maybe less, a little less in the focus today. We both have spent many years in the pharmaceutical industry, in medical roles and communication roles. But obviously there's also the payer and the policymaker, which are kind of making the circle complete. So Rob really comes with a distinct set of expertise as a clinical psychologist, I believe, in the background Correct. still today. Correct, yes. And uh, you've done many different roles in healthcare to move the needle towards patient-centric care and innovative drug development and communication and engagement. But today, Rob is maybe I should say again with IM uh, SPP, so the International Medical Society for um, Publication Professionals. He serves as the CEO now and president. So very eager to hear from you, Rob. You know that I always start off with the question on what does value mean for you in healthcare, but I also wanna make sure today we talk a lot about, because communication is really your core skill set and expertise, and how does this relate to value creation through patient-centered communication? So we'll talk a little bit around many of these things. So enough of me talking, and uh, yeah, let's kick us off. What comes to mind from a 50,000 bird view on value in medicine and healthcare, Rob? Yeah, it's certainly a very large question, and it's one that we could probably spend a couple hours uh, trying to tackle uh, for sure. But when we think about value, um, I think we're thinking about a very broad approach to thinking about what is actually going to move the needle, as you've mentioned, um, in, in the healthcare ecosystem. And value, in my mind, comes about from bringing those stakeholders together and really getting getting them thinking upfront and early um, about what the outcomes we're trying to achieve are. So, And value can be defined in a lot of different ways by different people, but agreeing on what those outcomes are at the outset brings all the stakeholders uh, together uh, from the very beginning. So for example, um, I represent the area of publications and medical communications professionals. Uh, we would traditionally have a very isolated view, right? What's the job of a publication professional? It's essentially to get publications put into peer-reviewed journals, correct? And you know, maybe a couple of years ago, I would have said that was the endpoint. But today, we're not able to think in such an insular format anymore. Today, uh, publication professionals, medical communication professionals have to really think way down the road. And they have to ask themselves the question, if I'm really going to achieve value, if I'm really going to move the needle and help patients at the end of the day, then what needs to happen with this publication when it's done? Now, gone are the days when a physician is probably um, sitting there or a healthcare practitioner sitting at their armchair after a long day of work and reading the New England Journal of Medicine. If that was ever the case, it's certainly not now. Today, they're actually getting most of their content and information from other sources and so, you know, being a part of the value chain really means thinking about all of these different aspects, defining what the outcome is and how to get there. So, so uh, Rob, I could go on for hours. Go ahead. Yeah. 
No, I think you you hit it right right out of the gate here. You know, the key points bringing stakeholders together is is you know creating value. This is like music to our ears. I think to many of our listeners, I have to say, in the close to fifty episode, we have not heard that definition yet. So it's fantastic to kick off the year with this. You know that it's about a broad set of stakeholders and. I also like you put forward, like we need to focus on the outcomes. What is it actually we want to deliver? But I, I really am curious, one question listening to you, as you said, traditionally, it was more of an isolated view and job. So what brought you to believe now that this is old days and that definition of value of working together? What, what did bring you to think that today? Well, it's a couple things. Uh, number one, I guess, to be honest with you, I started to get a bit jaded thinking about our traditional metrics, right? So when I looked at my own profession of publications and I thought, well, gosh, you know, we're being measured by just how many things we plaster on the wall at ASCO or, you know, what? whatever it may be, quantity, right? So, and and I thought to myself, well, is that really actually moving the needle? Is there a patient somewhere at point of care, for example, or a payer, um, you know, in a form of a decision process or health technology assessment, are these things actually being impacted by the 200 abstracts that were submitted to XYZ Congress. And when I didn't believe that was the case anymore, I started to think, well, maybe this is not the way it needs to be. And then a corollary to that is, well, if we really do want to move the needle at the end of the day, you can't do it on your own. So a publication, and I come back to publications because that's the area I'm swimming in these days, but a publication professional can't move the needle without knowing what's happening in other with other stakeholders. So it's impossible to know impact unless we know what's happening um, in the field, maybe uh, field medical teams or what's happening in other areas uh, of the ecosystem. So that's that's where I started to think of this much more holistic view of getting stakeholders together and really trying to think upfront about what we're trying to accomplish. This is amazing. How how are you doing or how would you recommend we do this practically? Because you said, you know, get different stakeholders involved in discussing early on or maybe you have an example on you just mentioned also medical field so how would we operationalize that well that's the the million dollar question right so if i, I can answer that uh, okay. maybe you have like um, you know, from your own ways of working like how do you what how do you encourage your teams on doing yeah. exactly that listen getting insights on what actually matters and why where's the impact how would you advise somebody to put together um, teams or workflows? Yeah, it, it's a great question. I, I really think at the heart of it is a lot of awareness building, right? So, you know, typical teams when they're put together are not really necessarily instructed or motivated to think outside their own teams. They're thinking about their own objectives, their own goals. So have an awareness building objective of thinking about what those common goals are at the what forefront. Um, the other area that I think is important in trying to do this and operationalize it is having champions. So, you know, having someone who's empowered to do it, sees the big picture, and then can carry that ball across um, the goals that you're trying to accomplish. I know it's easier said than done, but definitely raising that awareness, making sure there's a champion and someone who's going to feel responsible and accountable um, is really critically important. Yeah, and I think I, I love what you say, like putting those multidisciplinary teams together, so not only within their silos, so bring in other people. And I remember in one of my former jobs, we had the MSL, the medical director, even a commercial representative, you know, a regulatory person, depending on what product we're talking about. And then obviously SciComm people, MedInfo people, safety people, you know, think yeah. out of the box, but like have other people there. And I like this common objective for the team. I think yeah. it's very powerful. 
It's it's very, very powerful. You know, the other thing that just came to mind when you were chatting is um is I think it also helps when different when we're talking about functions to keep it simple, right, for us, but when functions are able to actually quote unquote cross-train and see what other functions are doing. So, you know, I can remember my job was deeply impacted when I was just a beginning publication professional. And my, my only job was to keep my nose down and make sure that I got publications into the journals and into Congresses and count them up. But my do, my job was enriched when I was able to get out into the field a number of times. And I was able to watch, um, I was able to watch a formulary discussion. I was able to go on a, a field medical visit. I was able to see what other functions were doing or, or visit with the medical information folks. And then I was able to see, well, okay, well, this publication doesn't stop here. It's got to go beyond that. And you can generalize that type of quote-unquote cross-training to all the disciplines, all the stakeholders, that they'll do better at what they're currently doing if they know how other people are going to be impacted downstream. Mm -hmm. And there, this is another piece in the vocabulary is actually the vocabulary. So understanding other functions lingo because we yeah. all have our own kind of culture and acronyms and the way we think and speak. So these cross trainings, I, I like the idea are not the purpose to learn the other job, but to understand what their problems are. And, and I think some organizations do this really well, right? They have secondments, they do, you know, whatever, four weeks immersion. I mean, there's no, no barrier on creativity here. Correct. Yeah, the more creative, the better. And I think the more exposure uh, makes you a well-rounded well -rounded person, but it also uh, professional, but it also really helps you to be much more effective at what you're doing if you know what's going to happen with the things that you're producing in your own shop. Mm -hmm. That's great. Um, maybe we move again towards what you said, you know, we need to think about what's really the impact down the road, uh, in your case, um, yeah. patient part, and what matters to patients. And I know that patient interesting in patient care is very close to your personal heart, but also what you do in your current function and with the teams. And there's a couple of your own podcast series that put that in the center. So in terms of communicate, almost patient-centric communication, what, what is that actually? How can we think about that? How do you make that happen? Yeah, it's a, it's another way. And that's a great question too. Uh, we need a couple hours for sure, but it's it's a another way of, of redefining what our our goals are, right? And so, you know, at the end of the day, our goals are not just to uh, to you know, move the needle on what it is that we're doing from a functional point of view, but it's actually to impact patient care in a positive way. So whether that's a decision being made at point of care around one product, service, or technology that's being considered, um, whether that's a broad formulary decision or whatever it may be, um, the the patient perspective on that, as we've learned, is maybe very different than what our perspective is. So as we're thinking about and contemplating our efficacy endpoints and are, are confident that that's going to move the needle, that may not actually be related to what's important to the patient um, and those other you know, patient-reported outcomes that we can get into all that uh, type of thing. So you know, having much more of a patient focus allows us to be informed on the research side of it so that we're designing trials and studies that are closer aligned to what what the patients are actually needing, but it also informs us on the communication side. Um, our area in the MedCom space, we focus a lot on the plain language summaries, those translations of of the uh, research so that it can be understood. Uh, and what's funny about that is when we, when we chat with people, we find those plain language summaries, it's not just for the patients, yes. the physicians want them too. <laughs> it's for us ourselves, right? Right, right. Things have gotten so complicated that everybody needs it. And you know, not to take us on a whole tangent, but that gets us into the bucket of evidence translation, you know? So at the end of the day, all these things need to be translated in a way that it makes sense for the patient, makes sense for the practitioner uh, and all the P's involved in this. So. 
No, that's great. Um, maybe also because we're talking, yes, drug development, innovation, but also general care delivery and, and outcomes and how we improve those. And I think part of this is real world evidence and, you know, how do we complement the more regulatory, pharmaceutical, academic, drug development, and clinical research part with what's happening, happening actually in real life. I know this is also an area that you work on quite a bit. Any yeah. thought here? Uh, it's, it's another soapbox for me, right? So we can start to talk about efficacy and effectiveness and, and so on and the differences between you know internal and external validity and HOR. At the end of the day, the philosophy I have is that all the data types that are available to us are needed. And when I first came into the field, you know, I can remember you know, when we thought about health economics, outcomes research, or real-world evidence, it was a kind of an afterthought, right? So as a publication professional, I would be so proud. I'd have my my study we plan done somewhere, right? <laughs> yes, we kept we we found we kept them in the basement somewhere. Uh, we had our RCT plan, and we're so proud. But at the end, and then I would run down the hall and I'd look for the HOR people and say, you know, are you sending anything to ISPOR? And you know, and that's not really the best way to integrate a real world evidence plan that's going to move the needle. So incorporating whether it's the PRO uh, patient reported outcome endpoints or um, actual real world evidence for what's going to what's actually happening in the real world, looking at those effectiveness studies, that should be part of a comprehensive plan. That should be part of, of what we're thinking about and we're putting our evidence generation plan together. And that involves all stakeholders. So the, the soapbox message for us is that um, this really needs to be done not in a vacuum. And that, again, bringing all the stakeholders together to think about the full value story is critical. And that involves real world evidence. And going back to our virtual cross-functional team earlier, HUR or real world evidence or however the acronym of that team is in, a, in an organization should be part of that team, Absolutely. right? You said Absolutely. put together comprehensive plans early on and not big an afterthought and Bring them up from the basement into <laughs> yeah yeah the, the you know the other thing is it it gets into being more more deliberate and more um, strategic I guess is is the right word for why we're bringing certain evidence types together so certain certain studies may not make sense to do and then other ones might be necessary but if we're not having those discussions up front you know tying this whole thing together and it's it's nice how nicely it weaves if we're really thinking about our outcomes and we've got all the stakeholders together, it should be a comprehensive discussion, a disciplined, uh, decisive conversation around what needs to be happening so that, you know, left to our own devices, people just produce things. They do studies that maybe don't have meaning or impact, or they write publications that don't have meaning or impact. But if we're, th if we're being very deliberate about it, we can streamline and be much more efficient to get to those outcomes that are necessary. Mm -hmm. Just having another thought as you're talking about the lingo evidence generation, and we had in, in the old 1.0 medical affairs days or pharmaceutical days in, in general, we were talking about data generation and data dissemination, which is kind of dissemination is also part of the communication part and SciComm and, and MedCom. And, and, what, what, and that is a little bit of an artificial intersection interface, right? Because what we're saying here is, why so sequential, right? Why data generation over here and data dissemination over here in another silo? Yeah. Any thoughts yeah. around evidence generation and communication? For sure. Yeah, I, I would like to see if I had a slide, I'd want to see what the starting point of that looks like, right? Because you could say that's the data generation, but you know the way I think about it is in a lot of ways, the beginning of that cycle is the communication plan and the gaps in that plan that inform what the data generation cycle should be. So, 
you know, it's, it's, um, it's kind of neat to start to loop that out and it's neither one is, is actually the starting point, right? It's, it's kind of an ongoing cycle of producing data that's needed, communicating it, seeing what those gaps are, translating that evidence for utilization across different stakeholders, different channels, um, and then seeing what the gaps are. So when you start to make it complex like that, the gaps are not even just data gaps that are there, but it may be channel gaps, you know, how we're getting that evidence to people. Maybe we're missing a communication channel that we haven't accessed, and that's one that's being needed by a certain stakeholder. And that brings back kind of to the initial statement you made about value bringing stakeholders together, right? It's like thinking holistically rather than sequentially. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, it's, it's interesting when you think about how strategic plans, medical affairs strategic plans have evolved over time. They used to be a lot more linear, you know, so it was, it was very simple. And I keep going back to when I first started um, in early publication roles, there was a couple of columns and you had your list out of the data points when you expected them, the journal, and, and that was it. And now you, you almost have to make that 3D, right? It's a cube where you, you intersect the channels and you intersect the timing and you, the data type the real world evidence, um, where things are going it, and the metrics that come out of that. We, you know, we could spend hours on that are much more complex and much more informative than they were before. And I know this is another episode if I open the digital box, but I know that you also work innovatively because I think it is going, the number of intersections and things in parallel we need to think of is going beyond a little bit our human comprehension and human intelligence. So uh, the listeners see where I'm going to like, you know, AI supported models and, you know, to help us process and analyze the multi-factorial channels. Yeah. Yeah. You, you almost have to tell me not to talk about AI during this episode because it could, <laughs> could really take us in a whole other direction. But I guess in the, in the, the bigger picture of digital, if we start to think about what that means for me, it means a couple of things from a, a communication evidence generation perspective as well is that, you know, we now have a, an ability with digital as a whole to do more with the data than we did before. So whether it's data visualizations, whether it's infographics, um, you know, talking head videos, whatever it may be, that being the case helps us to be better translators of, of evidence. So going back to the very beginning, when I was discussing this transition from, you know, moving from publications into medical communications in a, in a broader sense, it really means that we have the tools and resources now to be able to take that data and translate it to something else because we have those digital tools that can make it possible. Um, the art though, that comes into that is not just doing it all. So the error that I see being made very most often is we have digital, we have the ability to do things we never did before. And they're, they're cool. They're shiny new toys and, and people like them, but it doesn't mean we should be doing all of them. It again, goes back to being very disciplined about thinking, this is my target audience. This is what they need. This is the tool, this is the channel that's going to get us there or the digital resource that'll get us there and doing that in a very disciplined manner, if that makes sense. Excellent. As we said in our quick briefing before the recording, time flies with these discussions. So we're already at the almost 20 minute mark. Um, so we were just opening a few soap boxes and doors and to get everybody, you know, spinning in their wheels and what can I do in my day job differently to connect with different stakeholders. So anything, there's plenty of things, I guess you wanted to speak more of, but is there this one burning thing you wanna make sure the audience um, takes away from your um, visit today? Yeah, I, I think the, the message that I would have is to have big picture thinking, 
And so it's it's a message that's kind of been thematic throughout this entire discussion, which is to take that step back and to be disciplined about what we're actually trying to accomplish and to look at the big picture. You know, all too often, because just the way things are organized, whether you're talking about a hospital setting, you're talking about a pharmaceutical organization, whether you're talking about any of these different institutions, our tendency is to be very insular focused. And so where we started this is where I, I think it's it's probably a good key message to take away is take that big step back, find out what others are doing, find out what's important and ask relevant questions. So the work you're doing has more meaning and it can be more efficient and ultimately help the patient and move that needle in, in that regard. Thank you very much, Rob Matthijs. Thank you. It's been a pleasure.